Tonight on the Fanatic Forum, we've got all kinds of geek stuff to talk about, but we've got a very important question for wrestling fans out there tonight. What kind of drama is going on this week with AEW? Myself and my junior fanatic, Seth Moore, we're going to answer that question, hopefully, right after this. Happy Friday and welcome to the Fanatic Forum. I'm your Fanatic and host, George Bueller. Hope everybody's having a good week out there. Uh, it's been a little bit of uh, interesting weather, uh, you know, here in the Kentuckiana area. It's been like, you know, desert heat. And then now we've got like, you know, really nice, you know, weather past couple of days. I've been able to walk to the shop. It's been, you know, it's, it's been very lovely, you know. So, you know, I don't want my summer to go away entirely, but I'm kind of done with the heat wave as well. So, anyhow. We got a hot topic to talk about here as a transition for that because we're going to be talking wrestling tonight. Specifically, AEW All Elite Wrestling has got a little bit of drama going on here. There are firings, there are fights, there's, you know, erroneous reports being made by wrestling news sites here, some good, some bad, all kinds of stuff here. But to help me break this all down, of course, a lot of other geek topics here. My junior fanatic, my brother from another mother, my Rosencrantz to my Guildenstern here, <laughs> Seth Moore. How you doing, sir? Hello, I am. I am here. I am worn out. I'll tell you, it's been a day, but uh, it's been a good day, a productive day. So uh, good, good. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love the screen name, Seth the Dragon Wilson. That's awesome. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, Ricky the Dragon kept you know doing his you know dragon swerve and everything, and yeah. <laughs> So and so we gotta give some love to you know, action movie star Don the Dragon Wilson. So. Oh yeah, totally underrated uh, Blood Fist films. I, Blood Fist, that was what they were. Yes, yes, yeah. I know you can find all eight of them on YouTube, I believe. And uh, <laughs> yes, they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good, good, good stuff there. If you, yeah. if you like your uh, your B action movie stuff there, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of those unsung uh, action heroes that only the real fans know. You know, you like yeah. Don the Dragon, uh, Michael Dudikoff, uh, Cynthia Rothrock. Oh, yeah. so I love Cynthia Rothrock. See, the trick the trick with the Kung Fu movies and this kind of stuff is, it's like even the direct-to-video stuff that you think would be terrible, right? Depending on who's in it, the skill level that they possess transcends however bad-looking the rest of the movie is. So yes, it's right. like that. Yeah, that's part of the part of the appeal. Like you know, Don the Dragon. Yes, Blood Fist looked like garbage, but Don the Dragon Wilson did not. So yeah, I mean, you, you, you have a star, and then you can have a garbage movie around the star. Right, the star will improve the movie just by being in it. Uh, a great example would be the Snake Eater films. Those are also garbage, but yes. you have Lorenzo Lamas in a duster and the super mullet, and being Lorenzo Lamas in the eighties and early nineties. Yeah, he's kind of a golden god. You know, yeah, like, you it, know, it really it, it works. <laughs> like yeah. it does. Yeah. 
So there you go. So, but yeah, man, what what a tangent we've already gone on here. I know, like, I know. We don't plan <laughs> this stuff. It just, you know, it just happens. This is a, this is normal conversation between the two of us here. Yeah, so there it really you go. Is. Yeah, <laughs> that's Michelle's heart for having to deal with it. You know. Well, sometimes she enjoys it. You know, she doesn't know necessarily what we're talking about most of the time, but you know, she she seems yeah. to be amused by it. So, let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, get a couple of comments on here. Uh, oh, right Dave on. Diamond, Dave Manningly chiming in, saying, "For him, summer can go burn in the fire." Oh, mm. see, I I love me some summer. So, man, so, but as hot as it's been, though, I gotta go. I gotta agree with that. I gotta, uh, yeah, I gotta agree. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>... mm. <laughs> But I like the heat. So I don't know. So yeah, you like, are you are a very warm blooded animal, and I'm a very cold blooded animal. But yeah, well, no, I would be no. There'd be the opposite because I would be cold blooded because I like the heat because I like to stay warm. But yeah, you're a warm blooded animal, so you like the cold. Right. Already, yeah. So yeah. Flip it and read it. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave's chiming in saying, uh, "Speaking of wrestlers, you saw that they live on the big screen for its 35th anniversary." Oh, oh, yeah, nice. right in theaters locally. So that is cool. Oh, I, I would have dug seeing that in the theaters. I, I, yeah, uh, I, I got to say, I appreciate those like little fathom event kind of things that they do from time to time. I try and keep up with them and I'll totally. catch a riff tracks every once in a while. And yeah. uh, I, I, I think if you and I didn't have our pay-per-view thing going on, like, you know, where we usually hang out for them that uh, that I would do the theater version of that, too. Like the fathom. Oh, yeah. Was. But, yeah, those uh, are cool. Because yeah, I think yeah. our local theater, uh, Crown Point, uh, does that kind of stuff too. So yeah, uh, they're they're not like they don't do Fathom. They're they're not that brand, but they you know they bring in older movies. And stuff yeah, too. yeah, I, yeah. I know that. Uh, yeah, I know the Fathom. Uh, yeah, Fathom's the one around here. So that's the one that I. That yeah, I that's of, what with the um. Oh shoot, the Escape brand. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are nice theaters. So. Yeah, but seeing yeah, they live is. in that that that's awesome. Yeah. Be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying, and Michelle, I, I think I showed it to you once. Uh, uh, Michelle got me a novelty soda, and it's it was basically it was bu- it was a bubblegum soda, but it had Rowdy Rowdy Piper. From yes, it. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you showed it to me. Yeah, all out of bubblegum soda. It was pretty. It was tasty too. It was like, yeah. it, you know, it was it was a good soda because like it wasn't like too too. I was expecting to be like super sweet, and it wasn't. So it had a nice little kind of you know cut to it. So it wasn't. Super yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I remember you were yeah. debating pretty hard on whether or not you would drink it. Or you should drink I, it. I, 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 I was like, I got to be, yeah. you know. No, I, I, mean, I, I, was, I was on Team Drink It because I remember when I went to the Star Trek exhibit at the, the Science Museum when they had, like, all the props from the show there and everything. And in the gift shop, they had, like, Romulan Ale energy drinks. And uh, so it's like I had to get one. And, of course, I had to taste it just so that I could say I drank Romulan Ale. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. It was, I thought Romulan Ale was, like, was supposed to be alcoholic. And in this case... You know, it was just an energy drink, so yeah. Caroline was was, uh, giving me the the nudge saying she wanted to be on camera again, so she enjoys her her public here. So say hi, Caroline. Hi, Hi, Caroline. Yeah, you'll be seeing Moxley's tail go back and forth too, like a little shark. (laughs) Well, see, we have our fur babies on the fanatic form here, so they they make they make appearances from time to time, so awesome. yeah, so anyway, so I understand, uh, of course, you know, you've been knee-deep in, uh, initially, Baldur's Gate, but then now, of course, you moved on to Starfield, but... Yeah, uh, and, and it's not, and I'm not even finished with Baldur's Gate, that's, that's the sad thing, is that <laughs> it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things where, you know, I, there is not enough time in a day to devote to either one of these games like <laughs> I want to, 
and I've already got something like something like 65 hours in Baldur's Gate. And yeah, it's, and it's been, it's been fantastic because it's, did you ever play Dragon Age? Uh, um no i don't think i've never never played dragon age no oh okay it was that was another bioware rpg and uh of course there's the you know bioware made the first two Baldur's gate games but this feels more dragon agey with how it's presented like with uh the third more third person camera and the cutscenes the way they are which i love you know and uh yeah it was it's it's been an interesting adventure because uh, I've been playing in the period of time where they before the or during the first two patches, okay. so like some of the stuff in the games were kind of happening out of sequence. So like there are romances, then you like you can apparently romance any of the characters in the game, right? Oh wow! And, uh, yeah, so uh, and, me, and people are having like you know they're during getting a companion, and then like immediately the romance option starts, and they're in a relationship like two seconds after meeting them. <laughs> and uh, so, like, yeah, the the running joke was that this game, like, th- this game was real thirsty, and uh, and yeah, it, it was because uh, yeah, there was a giant man druid bear thing that you know tried to hook up with me at one point, and it was like, nah, buddy, we're just pals. <laughs> like, you're cool. Now, actually, he wasn't cool. He made me mad. Like, he wants to come in my camp, and he wants to stay. His his character name is Haslin, and he's a druid. Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, a part of the quest line that you'll get is you're supposed to, like, you can either save this grove full of tieflings or, you know, help the goblin camp just raise it to the ground. And, okay. uh, of course, Haslin is, you know, trapped in there in the goblin camp, and uh, y- you can either free him or, you know, kill him or whatever. But if you, right. he's got a chance to become a companion later on if you free him. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, of course, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I just went through, like, 25 goblins getting here, you know, like, I'm almost dead. And, you know, a giant druid that could turn into a bear would really help me kill the next 50 goblins. Sure. And, yeah. And then he, like, he's going to be all like, no, I can't do it. You know, I've got to go back and check on the grove. And it's like, you can't you just spend 20 more minutes here, buddy. Then he wants to come back <laughs> to my camp and do absolutely nothing until act three when he gets all butthurt that I didn't lift his curse. But, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, so anyway. I've seen like these long form videos on social media, uh, you know, advertising Baldur's Gate, but they're all focusing like they're going after the animal people, like the 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 fur baby parents, but what because they're like, oh my oh, gosh, you could, yes. you could talk to animals in this game, like, and they talk back to you, and you can yes. interact with them and have relationships. So like, they showed the video of like the dog scratch, where like you first uh-huh. come up on him, and like his. You know, his master's dead, but he's like, he's still protecting him. And then yes. later on, he finds you and you like start giving him pets and throwing the ball to him. And suddenly you're friends. And then, like the next scene they show, he brings in like a juvenile owl bear, and like they're friends now. And like he brings them over to you and like your friends with like a, you know, a young owl bear. Like, this is cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I messed up the owl bear on my on my playthrough. Uh, because, oh, you did. Yeah, so uh, I, I went. I found the owl bear cave where the mother mm-hmm. was, and the mother's wounded. And I had my speak to animals on because it was like I picked that by accident, you know. But it was a happy accident, and I've loved it. But uh, yeah, so it's like the the owl bear is like, hey, you know, you can get to step in, and I'll let you live. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, okay, but I'm gonna kind of go around here and get this treasure that's behind you, and hope you don't aggro me. Well, she did, and uh, mm-hmm. then I had to kill her because she's Uh-oh. an owlbear. Yeah, and then the baby yeah. owlbear is just kind of sitting there looking all, like, destitute and won't do anything. Like, you know, I don't – yeah. So I kind of – I didn't want to kill the baby owlbear, so I just kind of left it there. Uh, Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, man, the talk to animals is fantastic, especially the cats that you run into. 
Like the cats yeah. are sassy little snarky things, or one super timid one, and it was adorable. But well, there was one scene I saw where like you're talking to a cat that's like sitting on a rooftop, and it had like it looked like it was like part cat, part chicken, because it had looked like it had like 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 rooster wings or something. Yeah. So I was like, so there's flying cats in the game too. So it's like, there, yeah, there's some. It's some kind of uh, Dungeons and Dragon creature thing. I forgot oh, okay. the name. But yeah, but uh, yeah, then there's a. Yeah, the, then there was a panther in a cage that uh, was really excited about breaking the lock and uh, pointed out to your character that the lock was broken and uh, was going to escape and then murder all the people around the around them. And then it's like, well, it's like my option was that I could help or I could just like, you know, make sure that lock stayed put. So uh, I, I didn't want to get eaten by, you know, a giant angry panther thing. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we had that. Yeah, I was having a conversation like, look, you know, I'll help you if you don't eat me. Yeah, and and the level of choice that this game has that, you know, keeps, you know, the the, the different dialogue paths that you can go down is really astonishing with it. Uh, wow. Just, yeah, and, you know, entire chunks of the game can either occur or not occur based on, you know, some choice that you may or may not have realized was important and, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really is a feat of, you know, storytelling in video games. But that's fantastic. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I was saying, hey, of course, I'm not, I'm not, I'm console, not PC. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's the, the game looks pretty cool though. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dave Manley is asking an important question here: Are owl bears hatched or born? Uh, owl bears are hatched. Ah, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's it's basically it's an owl the size of a bear, but it's not necessarily like half and half. Yeah, you know, if I, if, you know, I mean so, it's still yeah. like just as just as gnarly as a bear. Like, yeah, you don't want sure, to. Yeah. yeah, that owl bear tried to wreck my world, but <laughs> owl bears have been the bane of existence in a lot of the D and D world, anyway. So there is a heavy uh, metal band now called Owl Bear, by the way, which is on Bandcamp, and <sighs> I just discovered. And yeah, I bought that album; and it was fantastic. Okay, yeah, I'll have to check yeah. that out. <laughs> uh, Andre, our buddy on here, uh, owner of Straight Up Issues, saying he's getting Full Mill Alchemist, Little Girl Dog Chimera vibes. <laughs> I don't watch Full Mill Alchemist, so sorry, dude. You, you, I know you love your story, but it's like, I don't, you know, making a cure reference. I know that anime. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I've, I've, I've tried to watch Full Metal Alchemist like eight times, and I made it through like, you know, the first couple of episodes, and it just never really hooked me. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm more of like an old school anime guy too, like Akira and Ghost in the Shell, and like yeah. those uh, the, those those manga VHS tapes. Like if it th- those are my bread and butter. Like uh, uh Mad Bull Thirty Four, and uh, there was some uh, yeah some other weird super violent like mecha one that I can't remember. Well, the bubble bubblegum crisis was uh, like the big one in the nineties. That's yeah. kind of like really kind of kicked off the whole you know, series, you know, kind of yeah. you know, craze for... I have Bubblegum Crisis. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, oh, Bubblegum yeah, Crisis. Yeah, yeah Bubblegum Crisis, though, is awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's it's grown, it's, it, it, you know, it was still the anime I liked because it was still, like, treated seriously and had a mature kind of, because I yeah. never knew, like, in the anime, like, you know, the big goofy eyes and, you know, kind of, you know, like, they, yeah. Yeah, I did, that was too cartoony for me, didn't care for that stuff, but, like, the serious <laughs> stuff, you know, the grown-up stuff, like, yeah, I was all about yeah. Uh, but anywho, getting to business here. I got some comics to talk about this week here. What so, you got? 
All right, so I got a couple uh, things here from uh, DC here. Let me go full screen here. All right. So we got issue number six of Justice Society of America. Of course, Jeff Johns is still running this one on here. Uh, This has been, yeah, the first five issues dealt with basically uh, classic Justice Society uh, villain, uh, time traveler villain per Degaton, uh, who's also... Nazi as well, let's not forget that, uh, was basically going around and killing Justice Society members throughout the, basically the timeline. So he was getting past, present, future, you know, members and trying to basically wipe out the Justice Society, period. Uh, but fortunately, uh, basically with, you know, the classic Golden Age Justice Society mixed in with kind of current members like Stargirl that we know, uh, mixed in with uh, Helena Wayne right here, who is the daughter of Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle. The Huntress, right? Uh, so anyway, yeah, the Huntress, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so and she's kind of like the now, now the weird time displaced ones because uh, events, basically uh, issue five, have led her now where she doesn't have a home to go back to because hers was like a possible future and now it's a future that no longer exists, but it does exist for a good reason. But yeah. now, basically, she's kind of homeless. So this is essentially the Justice Society is kind of now trying to form a new group together that's going to be a mixture of the classic with the current and then kind of paving the way for future generations. So, uh, so yeah, we're kind of getting the band back together again, but we're going to have a lot more new members now. Okay. So that's kind of, yeah, so it's I've really, really enjoyed this run. Um, and, of course, it's continuing more from now because we're getting – uh, one shots of Jay Garrick, one shots of um, uh, Alan Grant, uh, or no, uh, uh, oh, the original Green Lantern. I can't remember his Alan's last name. Alan Scott. Anyway, Scott, thank you. Um, who a couple other a couple other JSA members are getting one shots uh, coming out, and then of course they're kind of going. You know, we're kind of getting into like a new golden age. They kind of tease that a little bit in DC, so we're. You know, teasing new stuff here. Okay. Uh, next up here, we've got issue 137 of Batman. This is, of course, uh, part two of the Gotham War pitting uh, Catwoman against Batman. Basically, since we've had the whole kind of like big superhero things going on and then Insomnia doing the whole Night Terrors thing, all the superheroes have been very much distracted. So Catwoman has been taking this opportunity to take control of the Gotham underworld. But how she's doing it is she's basically collecting all the, you know, knock around thugs, henchmen, whatever else from all the other bad guys, taking them over to her camp and then actually giving them training. So they can maybe pull <laughs> off the jobs and perform them better without hurting anybody or doing anything. You get the you know you get the thing, you get the you know job done, you get the heck out of there and right. leave no trace. Uh, so she's in investing doing, in her employees. She's investing her employees. She's treating them well. Um, you know, she's you know again personally training them or getting in them in training programs. Sort of things like that, but also it's cutting down on general crime and violence and whatever else because basically the guys are that are doing the jobs are getting cuts of the job, so they're actually making money. They don't have to go out and knock over liquor stores or you know rob banks and stuff like that because basically they're stealing from like the super rich and whatever. So it's you know some of the Bat family are actually a bit conflicted because her way works. 
Yeah. And it's kind of better for Gotham, but Batman uh, on the heels of basically the fail safe thing, getting time displaced and losing a hand, then the whole basically dead man running around his body, you know, and being super duper exhausted, tired. Um, Wait, he lost also, a hand? He lost a hand. Yeah. Yeah. He got a hand straight up cut off, and now he's got this robot hand uh, that was put on when he was over in the other. Uh, basically the other Gotham that that didn't have a Batman. Yeah. Um, but the hand has got benefits now because like it can like produce smoke and it's got other little tech things to it. So it's, it's basically now another tool, but yeah, he's straight up. Bruce is missing a hand now. Oh, wow. Uh, and he's kind of being a little coy about it. Some people know about it. Some people don't. So he kind of sees it as both a negative and a positive. Okay. But either way though, Bruce is getting older. Bruce is losing it. Um, if you've been following this Chip Zdarsky run here, he's been bringing back uh, Gotham's, or not uh, Batman's mental failsafe, Zurin R, which is basically kind of like Batman without a lot of the restraints. You know, almost a little Joker-esque because he's a little crazy, a little, little, little that on like, edge. Uh, one of the, one from the Grant Morrison run? Yeah. Okay. Where, like, all it's right. all like purple and red and blue. Right, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Chip okay. brought that. Chip brought that persona back. But the thing is, Bruce is kind of again. He's been through a lot recently. He's kind of losing it, and Zernar is kind of taking over. So he's getting a little more brutal and intense. Hence, that's why basically Batman is intent on stopping Selena's mission here. And like I said. Not all the Bat family agree with him, and he's kind of at odds with all of them. Yeah, so it's like it's kind of like a you know you know it's an interesting take on the whole Gotham underworld. But what's happening internally with Bruce is fascinating. Like this, this is a guy who's going to have a he's going to have a major breakdown here soon, to the point where like someone's going to it's like Damien or somebody else is going to have to or, you know Dick you know, Grayson or whatever else is going to have to say like no. Sit down, you're done. Right, right. There's gonna there's gonna be that fight coming up pretty soon. So anywho, uh let's see. For Marvel here. Issue number 33 of the Amazing Spider-Man here. Of course, we're still in the uh Zeb Wells uh run here. Patrick Gleason does the in, uh, interior art. Uh this is a cool run here. Uh last issue, uh 32 started a new storyline. Basically, kind of a play on the uh, Craven's Last Hunt storyline, which basically pitted the original Craven the Hunter, uh, literally trying to hunt Spider-Man, kill him, become the Spider, all kinds of sort of crazy things like that. Right, right, right. Well, now, um, basically, the Queen Goblin and, you know, Craven Jr. here, which basically looks exactly like son, your dead, dad, does all the things dad does, but nonetheless, he's... Right, right, right. You know, he, he's basically junior. we just need we want the villain back, so he's the son of. He's right. the son of, yes. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh anywho, they the you know, Queen Goblin, Craven Jr. team up and essentially inject uh Peter Parker with uh essentially a, a, we're just gonna call it evil, just pure concentrated evil that all initially came from Norman Osborne but was sucked out of him by the Sin Eater. Uh, so Norman's a nice guy now, but no one trusts the fact that he's a nice guy. But right now, Norman's a nice guy. Uh, unfortunately, 
In issue 33, we find out that that little plan of basically corrupting Peter, maybe that would kill him or whatever else, has completely backfired on him. And so now the hunter has become the hunted. And we are no longer dealing with a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This Spider-Man is a little um, little rough around the edges. Okay. So it's it, it's a, we it, this it's a it's a way we've never seen Peter before because uh, yeah he's 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, last one for Marvel here the finale to the Ghost Rider Wolverine crossover Weapons of uh, Vengeance uh, this has been absolutely fantastic it's a four part crossover so you have the Alpha Weapons of Vengeance this is the Omega in between were an issue each of Ghost Rider and Wolverine. Uh, this has been an absolutely fun crossover. Great art. The story has been awesome. Uh, this final issue was just everything you wanted to happen in this was just, you know, great fight scenes, lots of cool <laughs> moments. I, I don't want to spoil too much, but yeah, it just totally. It just looks total. like a good, like, grindhouse kind of comic book. Like, you know, if you yeah. were just, you know. Like, you know, widescreen, like just awesome action epic kind of thing. Yeah. Like, that uh, that Benjamin, just looks cool. Like the yeah, idea even. Benjamin Percy uh, is a writer behind it. Of course, it, it's very convenient because uh, he writes both Ghost Rider and Wolverine. So it's very easy for him to do a crossover. Uh, but the plot of the story <clears throat> is that um, in their past, uh, Logan and Ghost Rider have uh, crossed paths about this child who essentially initially was thought to be a mutant, uh, then turned out he's not a mutant. He's something a little more on the supernatural demonic side. And matter of fact, this child has a demon in him uh, that basically when it needs to come out and murder things, likes to make sculptures. Like he does, like, you know, it's kind of like if you ever watched the old Hannibal TV series on, uh, on NBC. Yeah. 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 You know, like, like how he make like artful sculptures of his victims. Same thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, except far more disgusting. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> so that's kind of what this kid's MO is. And so initially in the past, uh, Wolverine and Ghost Rider kind of fought thinking, oh, we were part of the you know opposing sides. And they realized, oh, we're on the same side. This thing's the enemy. Let's see if we can do something about it. And they thought so. Then flash forward many years later, right. uh, you know, the past comes back to haunt them. And so they got to put this uh, demon down for good. So, okay. yeah, yeah, it was, it was, like I said, just lots of fun, everything you wanted out of it. So, so well done here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, Dave Manley chiming in, talking about Justice Society, saying uh, the current Justice Society run has been very interesting. It's great to see Detective Chimp on the team. Yep. Oh, yep. I love Detective Chimp. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's been, he's been in the, before the modern day uh, iteration of the group. But uh, yeah, and what has been really interesting too, um, there was a uh, Stargirl series, a mini uh, miniseries called The Lost Children, which basically what it was that Stargirl found out that all of these missing sidekicks of JSA members that literally were kind of erased from DC history were all like trapped on this island. So she goes and finds the kids on the island and like, yeah, like, you know, the Bolt, who was Jay Garrick's uh, daughter and his sidekick, like... Like he was like somehow made to forget her, and you know, so there's you know, it was kind of a lot of happy reunions of basically, you know, 
friends being reunited with their you know young sidekicks or you know parents being reunited with children. Uh, but on the other hand, too, there was some of basically like their families had died because they've been gone for like forty years. So yeah, so it's so it's in, that's another interesting aspect to this Justice Society thing too is that now we've got all these sidekicks that've been lost in time uh, that you know have been forgotten. You know, of course the the readers, you know, you if you know your Justice Society stuff, but like you know these characters, but right. in continuity they've been forgotten for a very long time. So yeah, interesting. <laughs> huh. uh, what about Andre? We've had many discussions over. Batman and his theory and his theories on what Batman actually is. So he says now he can only touch Robin with one hand. No, he's got a robot hand with other extra features. So I'm sure there's other things that are doing there. But anywho, <laughs> uh, Dave chiming in saying uh, it seems like missing a hand would make it harder to keep a secret identity. He just wears a lot of gloves apparently. Yeah, because <laughs> like the hand's metal, it's black or whatnot. So like you know when he's in Batman gear. It's, you know, it's not a thing. And then when he's Bruce Wayne, I don't know. He just, you know, that right hand's in his pocket a lot. That's his pocket. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. But yeah, he's definitely hiding it. But of course, uh, lately, Bruce has not been making a lot of, like, public appearances. We're seeing more Batman than we are Bruce, so. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we haven't, actually, we haven't seen Starro Jr. in a while. That was, um trying to think whose run that was. Is that during, um... I think it was during Tom King's run or something like that. But yeah, we haven't seen Starro Jr. in a little while. So, but yeah, I, I love Starro Jr. as well. He basically wanted to be Robin as well. So you see like this tiny little Starro in a Robin outfit. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was that sounds adorable. It, it really was. Yeah. So, uh, Dave saying the spider ham take on Raven's last hunt was crazy fun. Yeah. I, you know, there, we, we just got a spider ham book in the shop uh, not too long ago because man, those are hard to come by. So uh, Andre saying the spider man who laughs almost. Yeah. He's, he's like, I say, it's definitely, uh, definitely not a, not a nice one here. Uh, mm -hmm. Dave saying, if you remember right, the recent Craven junior is one of a dozen or so clones of Craven, uh, but he murdered all the others to be the only one. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. He, but he is a clone of, um, I can't remember what Craven's actual name is like Vladimir Anatoly, something, mm -hmm. some Russian, Russian, something, something, uh, anywho, but yes, but he is, 100% a clone of his father. But yes, he did kill all the others. <laughs> it's really nice that Spider-Man titles stick to clones. What's really, what grounds the series to, you know, Peter Parker and the spider mythos was clones. Mm -hmm. That's more clones. That was that series needed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, you're absolutely correct, Dave. Yeah, another grotesque body sculptor was Marvel's, uh, uh, Daredevil's enemy Muse. Yeah, that was, um, that was during Charles Soleil's run. Um, yeah, that, that he's oh, I cool, remember that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like he's all white creepy. and stuff like that. Yeah, he's creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good call, Dave. Nice. So, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Reed Elf chiming in says George is wearing a CM Punk t shirt, so he's allowed into collision in case he ever comes back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, we're gonna talk about that here in just a bit. Here. Oh, man, hey, Cade uh, coming in from Cartoon Commotion. Hiya, homies. What's new tonight? Late to the party. You're not that late. We haven't started talking wrestling yet, so we've been like yeah. talking a little bit about my books and goofing around where else, but. Yeah, yeah we're still in hour one of 12. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, I do have a couple indie books to talk about here. Uh, this is one you actually might want here. Uh, okay. Issue one from Boom Studios of Hunt for the Skinwalker. Uh, if you Ooh. know your, if you know your, uh, you're a UFO uh, aficionado, uh -huh. uh, 
this is that hunt for the Skinwalker based off that case study at Skinwalker Ranch. Have you read uh, it yet? Uh, I've read the first issue. Yes, I've never okay, read it. Okay. okay, I was going to say, does anybody attack an alien with a samurai sword? Uh, not yet. Okay, okay, because that yeah, supposedly yeah. happened. <laughs> yes, well, this is supposed to be a three-issue series, so this is kind of like um, getting things kicked off here. We are introduced to a family who basically wanted to move out to a ranch, start a farm, sort of thing like that. Uh, they've had a lot of odd goings on, and you know, at first they thought they had like a wolf coming onto their uh, property, attacking you know basically their cattle, um, attacking them whatever else then turns out maybe it's not a wolf it's something bigger and then like it, it other odd things happen so when you first think we were kind of dealing with maybe the uh like the native american uh mythology of skinwalkers and shapeshifters and you know were creatures and whatnot but then things change and we're dealing with extraterrestrials here because yeah. this is actually based on an actual case study of basically you know Weird goings on at this ranch, and then basically a team of scientists and professors come out to study, and the stuff they find and the things they happen are <laughs> unbelievable, but they are 100% true. Yeah, so, so what's going on with the cover? Like, is that like a gimmick cover, or is it just... Yeah, it's basically like, you know, because like there's the house right there, and there's like these like weird creatures kind of superimposed in the background and these weird eyes over that too. So yeah, it's just supposed to be this yeah. big, creepy imposing sort of cover here. Yeah. Snag um, me one of them. I want one. That looks yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, some of the, some of the incentive variant covers, there's one, um, I think it's like the, the one in 50 cover for this one. Uh, it's terrifying. Uh, and the best part is the artist's name, her, um, I wish I remember her last name, uh, but her first name is Suspiria. But the the art is just like I said, just grotesque, face contorting kind of stuff. There's like yeah. green, there's like green and yellow kind of hues, so it kind of adds to it. And just it's like it's it's a horror masterpiece of art, but it's nonetheless grotesque. But yeah, so yeah, I, I have a feeling you might want one. So. Yes, yes. Right. can you snag me one of those? Absolutely. Next up here, I absolutely love this series from the beginning here, from Comics Experience, which actually uh, is uh, located uh, here in uh, Shel er, Shelbyville, Kentucky. Um, it's the third issue of Joseph Schmalke's Seven Years in Darkness. This is uh, basically the, uh, dark, uh, the, the black metal version of Harry Potter, uh, Basically, you've got uh, every 200 years, the School of Wizardry opens its doors to allow, um, I believe, 200 children or 200, I'm sorry, 250 children uh, into their school. Only seven will graduate and survive. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, so basically, like the parents are all in on this. They're like a cult. There's different houses, different schools, you know, sort of things like that. Um, there basically is a lot of like, you know, things set up in the school for these children to fail, for these children to get killed, to basically weed through the chaff to get to the wheat, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, very dark, uh, you know, art, you know, art in this one here, uh, just, yeah, love it, love it, love it. Uh, but yeah, like I said, this is like 
literally that's the black metal version of Harry Potter. So okay, I I, that's the best way I can describe that. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> awesome. Um, this is actually a couple. Of, this is from a couple of weeks ago, but I stumbled upon this issue. Um, this is a fun series that Dark Horse does because, of course, they still have a Star Wars license as long as they do kind of like one shots, High Republic era stuff. They can't really touch like current continuity and do like long form stories. But what they can do with these hyperspace stories is one shot isolated stories here. So issue number seven features Boba Fett basically, uh, uh, basically uh, kind of on opposite sides of the job with Bosk. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, kind of they're basically, you know, we're protecting a client sort of thing like that. But what attracted me to it is that this is uh, drawn by Andrea Muti, who's very talented. He's been around for a very, very long time, uh, working everywhere. Uh, but it's also written by Michael Mordecai. No kidding. So, yeah. It's like huh. it's, it's, this one, it's this one-off Boba Fett story, but it is fun as hell. And I mean, just, you know, slam-bang action. You know, he relates yeah. to his client, so he's helping him out for a reason, sort of thing. Like, it's just, yeah. It's just, it's a great one-shot Boba Fett story. That's kind of the fun thing, like I say, about the hyperspace stories. Yeah. The cover tells you who your character's going to be, and it goes all up and down the Star Wars timeline. Yeah. So we've Tell had any one of them too, if uh, you still got any of them. We sh- yep, yep, we do. Thank yeah, you. like I say, it's it's a it's a book that you know doesn't get purchased as much. But like I said, this particular one-off issue is like it was just really yeah. good. So well, yeah, I mean, Michael Moorcock, you know, I got to read that. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I figured that was good for you there. Uh, and lastly here, this, of course, again, came out last week, but we our A covers were a little late here. Uh, issue two of Titans, Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Uh, I just, you guys know how much I love the first issue, how much I raved about it. Uh, of course, uh, Jim Zub is the writer on this. Roberto De La Torre as the artist inside. And his art is outstanding. Like, he's a seasoned artist who's done, you know, he, again, he's a younger guy, but he's done art everywhere, fantastic art. But what he's doing for this book is a total throwback to, like, classic 70s, 80s John Buscema art. And right. so this Conan book has a very old-school feel to it. Yeah. Much more so than, like, Jason Aaron's run when Marvel brought it back a couple of years ago. Like, this feels like you're reading a time capsule in the in the absolute best way possible yeah i loved that first issue i can't wait to see get to dive into that second one because that i mean yeah. it, it felt like a conan book i yeah, I, I, I can't talk about the marvel I, I didn't read the marvel stuff like at all like I've, <laughs> I, i'm was, i'm actually still catching up with a dark horse because uh there's a uh probably about there was a point maybe about the 50th issue I dropped mm-hmm. off, but uh, yeah, I'm still trying to catch up with that. But okay, yeah, the the Marvel return for Conan was good, not great. There was like Jason Aaron started off really well, and then um, he kind of left the book, and it was in a little bit of limbo for a couple of issues. And then, ironically, Jim Zub took over, and he finished the book like the last ten issues of the series. So you know, so it kind of had a little bit of a rough part, and then when Jim took over, things were fine. Right. Um, but yeah, just like it kind of, you know, I think the main thing is that Jason had this idea of doing like this large story arc that went over like the entire series as opposed to doing isolated story or maybe like 
doing a you know a mini series for a few issues and then going on to something else, going on to something right, else. Right, right. So like, but he wanted to do this like really long epic form Conan story that continued in the six issue King Conan uh, thing, where basically you've got uh, Conan and Thothamon basically both thought to be dead and trying to help each other get out of the Isle of the Dead and make it back to the land of the living. But at the same time, Conan had zero intention of bringing Thothamon back. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, so there was some good stuff in there, but it was kind of like, you know, so, but yeah, but this, this run for Titan has just been, yeah, I I couldn't love it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) A <laughs> couple of comments here before we take a break for a second here. Uh, Cade Popkin saying 12-hour fanatic for a marathon. Here we go. Trying to watch them uh, out. Uh, trying to get them watch hours for YouTube. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Well, that's not a bad idea. We'll we'll do like a Joe Bob, uh, you know, esque uh, marathon yeah. sometime. <laughs> yeah, we can set it up and like uh, do donations and uh, and be like YouTubers or whatever. Yeah, uh, like, there you go. those kids that uh, you know how the the kids play the games and they get uh, stuff donated to them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, Dave, it's not a holographic cover. Yeah, it it was just well, I've got the bag too. That's so it's you know it's yeah. No, that's what I was saying. It, to me, it looked like the way you were holding it. Like it looked cool. Like because uh, mm-hmm. the, the, I guess it was the light, but it was just kind of like a. It, yeah, it looked like one of those holographic or not holographic, but uh, the. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. definitely an image within an image because like you know you look at it up close you're like okay there's this and this and this superposed but then like you draw it back and like oh is this kind of like a face? oh yeah it's like a face uh-huh. yeah yeah so it's like but yeah it's still doing it uh, whenever you get a chance like check out the video because I think I don't think you're seeing what uh, what we're talking about but uh, you're probably not yeah but, but yeah check out the video it looks cool though it really does but, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and Cartoon Marshall says, "You know something? It always seems to come back to aliens." You're right. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the it's like how the X Files used to be. Whenever you know every episode, it would be aliens, and Scully's like, "No, nah, I think it's something else." And Mulder's like, "I've been right every other time." It always <laughs> comes back to aliens. That's why yeah. we're here. Uh, and Dave commenting on the uh, seven years in darkness, saying you're a wizard sacrifice, Harry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Harry Potter would make it through this school here. This one's a little rough. Yeah. Cade <laughs> yeah. uh, saying, uh, cartoon motion saying, uh, I love that classic looking Star Wars cover. Yeah. Like I said, this. Oh, yeah, that thing looks cool. Yeah, that's, like, it's, that's what's fun about this series. That it's just, like literally just, I mean, there's one episode where you've got like, Ray and Finn run around doing stuff. There was another issue. Luke and Leia are doing things. And then, you know, so that's it. It's, you know, you just take your known Star Wars characters, give them a little one-shot adventure, and just, you know, yeah. just a fun series. But that, that particular was a really good uh, issue there. So uh, Dave commenting about the Conan books and the Conan art style reminds me a bit of Boris Vallejo. Uh, the Marvel Conan stuff was fun, uh, especially him. Oh, well, the him meeting Doctor Yeah, Doom, we, we uh, talked about that actually once before. We sure uh, did. Yeah. It happened at Savage Avengers, though. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. Yeah, because they did a storyline in the Avengers where uh, they go into the past and basically Conan comes back with them. Uh, and so Conan is in the modern day. Uh, but it's a bit of an anomaly because, of course, later on, they, you know, Marvel, since Marvel lost the license, they literally do a story where they're doing kind of a, a return to the 2099 stuff and. Conan was there with them and yada 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 with a group right. of you know savage Avengers and they kill Conan because again can't do it but 
it's kind of an anomaly because Conan still exists in the past, but then at one point he will pop out of the timeline because he's in our timeline and he gets killed over there, but he's still, it's a thing. Trying yeah. to travel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, cartoon promotion saying Seth's literally getting a personal comic book claim sale. That's really just what, what just happened. Well, see, this oh, is what that, happens, that happens every time. Like, yeah. 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 He'll, come on here he'll, yeah. Yeah, he'll start showing what he thinks. Yeah. Yeah, when your best friend works in a comic book shop and Seth is on the show and gets to see the goodies that I brought in here and says, oh, I like that too. That's how it works. So if you live closer to Cade, yeah. it would work for you too. So. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Cartoon Commercial says, uh, Seth, tell me more about games that get money. That sounds rewarding and fun. Teach me the ways. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no it, yeah it, it blows my mind that, you know, there's there's people like the, the Twitch streamers that can sit there and play like, you know, they'll have like a video game on one monitor. Uh, they'll have like a Twitch chat going like, you know, how we got chat going on here mm-hmm. and they're playing games and people are paying money to so that other people or like they'll pay a dollar so that the streamer will say their name and like yeah and it's just like i'm I'm, i don't begrudge hey anybody that can do it more power to you you know i like but you can have a fanatic form i'll say your name for free right yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's just the idea that that is now like that can be a legit occupation to me just you know blows my mind sometimes but Mm. yeah But you know, something like this too, you know, where where like you and I can sit here and like you know talk, and you know other people can participate in everything too. Like that's yeah, no, I think yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're gonna take a break here for just a second to acknowledge our sponsor, Comic Books for Kids. We come back, we got some wrestling talk we gotta do here because yes, uh, we do. We're, we're we are forty five minutes in of talking about fun stuff here, but we got some serious. <laughs> we got some Told you it was hour one. <laughs> <laughs> we will be right back. Comic Books for Kids provides comic books to kids in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. It's a place where we can all work together to make sure every child has a comic book. 100% of all proceeds go towards the kids. It's about making a difference, and while they're in the hospital, allowing them to fly like a superhero, battle dragons, or rescue teddy bears. We are in every state in the country and now support over 160 hospitals. Every month, we add more. Visit cb4k.org. Hey, we are back. <laughs> we have a bidding war uh, in the uh, the chat here, uh, apparently. Uh, Dave Mangley says that he'll say your name for just 50 cents. <laughs> uh, and Kate from Cartoon Commotion comes in and says he'll do it for 25 cents. Well, I'm, hey, you know... <laughs> Both are a bargain at twice the price. So, <laughs> <sighs> so, all right. So we are we are here mostly because we're talking wrestling today here. Because uh, there's been some stuff going on. I mean, AEW has had some great highs and some tremendous lows, and it literally happened all a week's time. So, I mean, just you know, let's start with All In which was their very first show from London. They were at Wembley Stadium. Right. Over 81,000 paid attendance, uh, which basically, if, after you chalk up all the, the staff and security and wrestlers and everybody else, then basically you've got over 90,000 people mm-hmm. that were there in attendance at that place. So the largest you know, wrestling event that basically, well, like legitimate one, there was the Collision in Korea, which was like 
so, like, mandatory attendance. Yeah, it was like yeah. Well, it was like the first night was like eighty five thousand people, and the second night was ninety thousand. But yeah. yeah, it was mandatory attendance. So even though. WCW likes to say, we did this, but it's like, you can't count that one. So AEW has now set the standard. Uh, So So, uh, just a tremendous high with that. But then literally at that show, you've got guys fighting backstage that results in basically the company's biggest star, CM Punk, being fired from the company. Yeah. So now let's. Let's rewind just a smidge. Let's uh, sure. we were together uh for for AEW's All In. We uh we we yeah. got to hang out that afternoon and uh, it was yeah. it, it was a wonderful time. And thank you again for having me. I had a I had well, of a, course, I had, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. so so we turned it on and we're watching the pre-show and you know we we see the hook and the Jack Perry match. You know, and we're just you know we're just watching things. You know, yeah. at this point, like you know, okay, you know, show's about to start. What's going to happen? And then Jungle Boy says something, and it's like, well, huh, that's weird that he says that. And then, you know, the spot goes on, and, you know, then, uh, you know, the match ends, and, you know, we're still, you know, going through, you know, the show starts, and the the first match is the Punk and Samoa Joe match. Right. And uh, I remember specifically because now, it, I, looking back, there was that sign that they took away that both you and I noticed that we can't repeat here. Uh, yes. but, uh, there, if you go back and watch the original feed of AW's all in, uh, when the, what, right when the show starts, someone in the front row has a sign with a, a very funny vulgarity against CM Punk. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, security then ganks that sign immediately. Like mm-hmm. we actually saw the security guy take the sign from the guy. <laughs> Uh, but then, yeah, then, then they come out and they have the match and it, it felt like the match was a little short. It wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was actually, you know, quite good because, you know, Punk and Joe, had, you know, wrestled sometime. It, yeah, it, they're experienced yeah. guys. Yeah, it, it was in no way, shape or form going to match any match of their trilogy, but mm-hmm. I was upset the Punk went over, but that's because right now I'm not a Punk fan and I wasn't at the time either. Yeah. Uh, and then Punk goes back in the back and, you know, then the show continues as usual. And then, you know, as people our age do now, we start looking at our phones and, you know, immediately we start to hear about incidents happening backstage about, you know, Jungle Boy and CM Punk getting into a fight. This is like an hour hour or two into the show. Yeah, yeah. We started to hear these reports. Yeah, it was super, super weird. Uh, CM Punk had left Wembley Stadium uh, of his own volition. I remember they were, you know, saying that, you know, a lot. Then, yeah, Jack uh, Jack Perry was, yeah, was asked to leave as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was just very weird. And you know, this is unfolding in real time as we're as we're experiencing yeah. it. And uh, lo- looking back, it was kind of cool that it was happening in real time. That you know, we got to see it as the show goes on. And it can be one of those things where you know we talk about it like you know people remember re- events in wrestling, like you know the the fall off the hell in the cell, or you know the. Or you know, um, I was there for the Montreal screw job. Or, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the you know, uh, we remember what we were doing for the, the brawl out. You know, because they had yeah. their yeah brawl in and brawl out. We had we had brawl out the year before, and then brawl in this year. Yeah. So yeah, that's like they're, they're you know to kind of give a, to elaborate a little bit more. So basically, in the pre-show, like you know, you know Seth was talking about here. Uh, you got a match, a grudge match between Jungle Boy Jack Perry, who's currently a bad guy, versus Hook. 
Uh, they're doing kind of like all over the place, no holds barred, everything kind of goes, which is kind of standard for AEW. They're, a lot of their matches end up being no holds barred, anything goes, we're all over the place. Right. Um, there was a spot where basically there's a car parked up on the stage, and uh, the intention was that Jungle Boy was going to put Hook through the front windshield, right? And yeah. so basically, you know, referring to the comment that you made, it's like right before this spot's going to happen, Jungle Boy slaps the windshield and looks directly in the camera and says, real glass, cry me a river. So, okay. Whatever. So it's like, you're kind of like, hey, he's just saying that for what he's saying. It. But if you are a person who sticks to the wrestling news, you know, finds out the goings on of your favorite company, wants to know all the dirt that's going on and, you know, infighting or anything, any drama, whatever else, you know that a few weeks prior to this show, Jungle Boy wanted to do a similar spot, and uh, the backstage producers and other officials were like, no, we're not really set up to do that one. Let's not do this. It's a smaller show. Let's not do it. And Jungle Boy was not, you know, it was reported he was throwing a fit because he couldn't get this thing going. Right. So the producers approached CM Punk, uh, who kind of was like, you know, kind of was considered a veteran, a backstage leader, or whatever else, because the show, the spot was going to happen on Collision, which was kind of considered a show that Punk was made for CM Punk. It's supposed to be featuring him, kind of, you know, his style of wrestling, sort of thing right. like that. Uh, and basically Punk approached Jack saying, don't do this, whatever else. It seemed like perhaps maybe the way Punk said it, Jack didn't care for it. Maybe it was, you know, disrespectful, you know, like, you ain't doing this kid, whatever the case may have been. Um, but it still resulted in that spot wasn't happening there. But then a couple of weeks later for this match, it happens. And the whole thing is that Jack wanted to use real glass in the windshield, thinking this would give him some sort of street credibility, as opposed to using gimmick glass, which is A, safer, and B, you don't get injured. Right. You use your real glass like you want to, and you got your elbow cut when you went through the windshield, Jack. So, you know, what was the point of getting cut? There's, there wasn't. Uh, but then reportedly after the match... Yeah, goes backstage, has a confrontation with Punk that has gone through. That's the problem with this whole story is that we're getting all these reports. Some are saying this, some are saying that, uh, but they're all saying different things. Yeah, yeah, that you can't take any of these reports at face value because they change almost what feels like hourly anymore i i i i'm being hyperbolic with that but at least daily there is something new about that mm -hmm. altercation and it either keeps building on or something keeps you know getting changed about it or you know suddenly tony khan's being knocked into a bank of monitors by cm punk who didn't just lunge at him but you know speared him like edge off of a ladder you know if yeah. you're in uh, that, that ladder match from the wwe <laughs> but uh yeah. Yeah, it's you know the the iterations of this story are bonkers and and none of it makes sense in the first place. So you can't really uh, you you can't really say like well that didn't happen that just sounds absurd, you know, yeah. so it didn't happen. Every it all it's all absurd. So it, yeah. <laughs> I hope that made yeah. sense. But no, it did. Yeah, so uh but it seems like basically the commonality is that, you know, Punk has had, you know, some issues backstage with talents previously uh, since he's been with AEW. He's only been with AEW for barely a couple of years, but he's not the only one. There have been other altercations backstage, you know, 
you know, people having beefs, personal beefs with each other or whatever else. Right. The problem with that is uh, this has happened in wrestling since the word go, but there used to be a kind of like, you know, basically what used to call a kayfabe where basically, you know, the wrestlers stayed in character even when they were out in the public, you know, to maintain their character, to maintain the believability of the sport. But also at the same time, too, you kind of held back from the regular press because you didn't want to give them too much. Right. You know, you didn't want to you, you want to tell them how the sausage was made. You just want exactly. to show them the show and whatever else. Now in the age of the Internet, now in the age of like we've got 100 wrestling dirt sheets out there. Everybody wants the scoop. Everybody wants the content. And so now everything's getting blown out, like you said, in real time. So, you know, to even 10 years ago, these stories wouldn't have been leaked out because this stuff would have been handled backstage. It would have been hush hush. And, yeah. you know, you, get, you, you squash your beef backstage and then we put this on TV and make money with it. No. You know, we, we know you guys don't like each other in real life. When you get over that, you be professionals, you work together yeah. because you can go out in the ring and act like you hate each other. And then you go and then you make thousands of dollars for doing so. And we might find out about it on season 12 of Dark Side of the Ring, you know, exactly. 15 years you know, later, you know, exactly. That's how things used to be handled in the wrestling business. I still find validity in that because not all the dirt needs to get out. Um, and for a young company like AEW, all this stuff makes you look like you're a bunch of children and there's nobody in charge backstage. So that's kind of my take on it. it you know, as they, they say, all this stuff that's constantly getting leaked out that people who are in favor of CM Punk, people who are not in favor of CM Punk and their stories being, you know, told from their perspectives. And you've got basically... You know, maybe you do have somebody coming in with a neutral perspective who's just trying to report on it, but with all the extra noise on there, they have no credibility because you don't know who's real and who isn't. Right, exactly. And you know, at this point, it doesn't matter who's pro or con or anti CM Punk. You know, he's gone. You know, it's not like he's coming back. Yeah. You know, yeah. so like where, you know, what 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 could he do that would just make anybody else up more upset? Like it's kind of a moot point now. You know, just to. To, well, the I, to, to be to be a hater i think even you know he did what he did yeah. you know it's the the consequences are there but uh to yeah but here's the other question though is that should jack perry because of course he's jack perry's currently suspended right you know he's it's considered indefinitely suspended but should jack be fired you know it's and you know i we kind of talked a little bit about this before the show started and, yeah. uh, you know, I, and I, I realized that, you know, I was coming with the, the narrative of events the way I understood them. And then, you know, you had, you know, said that you had heard it in a different way. And then mm -hmm. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, it's like, I, I can't argue this because, you know, neither one of us know, like, yeah. you know, there, there's the very real likelihood that he did something to agitate punk that we don't know about that hasn't come out yet, or, you know, has, and we just don't believe it or, you know, don't right. acknowledge it, you know, because, you know, he may have shoulder checked him. You know, yeah, and, it's, it's, again, you know, there's so many different reports that basically, so after Perry's match, he goes backstage and literally basically to, you know, like Jack Perry's match was part of the pre-show. Then there's an opening package and literally the first match to start off all in the actual pay-per-view is CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. So Punk is right there backstage waiting when Perry comes through the curtain. And so... When this happens, some reports are basically, you know, 
Perry walks to the curtain and Punk is the first one to say, like, you know, you got something to say to me or whatever else. Right. Uh, and then, of course, like I said, I, I heard initial report that when Jack walks backstage, he kind of like does like a shoulder check as he's passing Punk. And then that's when Punk says, you got something to say to me. And then that's when the conflict starts, of course, basically resulting in Punk putting Jack Perry in like a front face choke and having him backed up against a wall. And then people trying to break it up. And apparently, you know, possibly Tony Khan may have tried to break it up. And then CM Punk, like, even kind of, like, lunged reportedly at Tony Khan, who's the owner of the company. Right. Uh, and just basically, you know, a whole, you know, thing of frustration. And Punk kind of walking away screaming, I quit. Of course, if you see other reports that basically, you know, Punk gets to London and he, you know, didn't have his travel waiting on the, he understood the travel will be, you know, there waiting for him at the airport to pick him up, take him to the stadium. Yeah. And then the, so he's, he calls the number or he tries to text the number and it bounces back. And so he ends up having to take, you know, the, the train, the, the lift or whatever they call it, you know, the, the, the subway thing. He ends up taking that to get to the stadium with the help of fans kind of directing him all along the way. Um, so that kind of added to his frustration there. Yeah. And you also take into account two days prior to Wembley, CM Punk was supposed to be meeting with the elite, uh, being the, you know, or actually being with the Young Bucks to basically talk over their conflict the previous year. Bury the hatchet, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, excuse me. You're welcome. Bless you. Uh, and at the last second, uh, that meeting was canceled. But uh, I think like CM Punk was supposed to meet them like, in Georgia or something along those lines. Like he's supposed to meet them somewhere. And then basically from there, he was going to go to London. Yeah. Uh, Punk had already arrived in wherever city or state you're supposed to meet them in. And the meeting was canceled at the last minute. So I think like this built up a lot of frustration on his part with the company. And then you have biggest show in the company's history, the biggest attendance in wrestling history. And, this little snot-nosed punk is going into business for himself on live international television, yeah. Bringing up, bringing up a backstage beef, yeah. And see, I hadn't heard a lot of that either. Of what, what you're saying either, because yeah. of course, like you know, I guess it's confirmation bias. I'm only seeing things from one side versus you know the other, you know, thing. And yeah, of course, you know, like we said, you know, it, you know, nobody knows anything about you know what really happened in the first place. Yeah, so. I mean, and, and, and you know. To backtrack, it's like I'm not, you know, I'm an AEW fan. I want what's yeah. best for the company. And I don't like all this infighting and childish behavior because it basically what it really seems like to me is that no one's minding the store behind the scenes. You've got a guy like Tony Khan who's a big wrestling fan. He's a good guy. He takes care of his employees, but right. maybe he's not the best to like putting his foot down. Or yeah. he's, you know, he's not used to basically control like he's used to being at wrestling shows and being around wrestlers, maybe even talking to people, whatever else. But what he's not used to is running a company, being in control of these people. And that's an entirely different situation there. Like, you know, these can't be, you know, like you could be friendly to them, but you, these can't be your friends because they're right. your employees. And sometimes you got to bring the thunder down on them when they're not doing, you know, the right thing. So yeah. it's hard to say, you know, last year, was it, the Bucks' fault was it, you know, CM Punk's fault for their backstage fight. You know, you know what led up to that? Well, CM Punk, you know, had the media scrum where he's basically bashing the company, sitting next to the company's owner. 
Right. That was unnecessary and embarrassing. Yeah, should, Punk should have been embarrassed for himself for doing that. Tony should have been embarrassed for his main star doing that. And why? Right. Tony didn't turn to Punk like, uh, you don't like it. There's the door. You know, right. so, you know, something along those lines. But then that leads to a fight backstage with other talent and CM Punk. Uh, and then you fast forward to a year. We've got more backstage fighting. And it's like, so now it seems that basically, you know, whether or not, you know, Tony Khan says he's the one that made the decision. He owned up to it on live national television. He owned up to the live Chicago crowd, expecting CM Punk the next night. Uh, yeah, which, which is, I thought that was super cool. Like, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, and, and, and that was the only way that you could have shut down anything because. You know, you knew that that Chicago crowd was going to hijack the show if, you know, he didn't say anything. But, you know, he was real with them. And, uh, yeah. Apparently from uh, some people who were in attendance at the show, um, the basically when Tony Khan came out uh, prior to the show to announce the crowd what had happened and that Punk was fired, uh, for seven straight minutes he was booed by the crowd. So. Oh, really? Yeah, that 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 didn't come out in the initial report, but yeah, yeah, Dang. seven minutes the crowd booed him. Um, and he sat and there and took it. He sat there and Dude. took it, and then he started talking more about you know, elaborating and whatever else, and you know, going on. So then basically the crowd kind of you know worked with him. But apparently, like top of the show, um, people in attendance say the crowd was much more was still volatile and chanting and stuff like that so apparently the crowd noise was turned way down at the top of the show okay see because we even talked about that yeah and uh yeah because you had said something about it and i th- even wondered if they would have did something to the crowd audio yeah uh because that, that see i oh i thought that was what they were doing yay me <laughs> yeah see yeah, so, yeah. We, we were we were right but yeah so they they were doing something to the crowd audio but yes yeah, so it's the thing it's like you know and now because of this whole situation that was basically caused by, you know, doesn't matter whose fault it was. You've got your on-air talent, your wrestlers. And that, that's the funny thing. Uh, <laughs> Cartoon Commotion, Cade brings up a really good point here. It says, aren't they supposed to fight? It's wrestling. Just kidding. He knows. But no, you, you're absolutely correct. In When they're in no, the ring, yes, they are My buddy Daniel fight. said the same thing. Like, I'm telling him about it, like, you know, the day after it happened, he's like, aren't they supposed to fight? And I'm like, no, but not like the, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, see, here's the thing, you know, it, think of it like an action film or a TV show. One on screen, when the, when they say, you know, roll camera, and you know, you know, you know, you know, the director says go, whatever, and they, you know, action, whatever else. That's when, yes, they're supposed to fight, they're supposed to do their thing and their performance and whatever else. And then when they say cut, we go back to reality where we like each other. We are employees of the same company or whatever else. It's like if you worked at McDonald's, you don't fight with the guy who's making the fries because that's bad for business. Right. You you join together and you make the food and you put the tray in front of the person and they smile because they got their Big Mac. You yeah. know, that's how it's supposed to go. That's how wrestling's supposed to go. It's supposed to look like one thing, but actually be another. Exactly, but yes. You do have volatile personalities, or back in the day, you would have drug use involved, so it would make volatile personalities even further volatile. Yeah. And, yeah, you get fights backstage. But what, like we said earlier, what's different is the age of the internet, the age of the multiple podcasts. People want stories. People want scoops. And 
you know, sometimes stuff gets leaked, or actually all the time now, stuff gets leaked, yeah. and there you go. So we got a couple of hot take opinions here. So uh, right. we'll bring up Kevin Riedel, and he says that uh, at the end of the day, Punk is responsible for his own actions, not Tony Khan, Jack Perry, Colt Cabrana, the elite, etc. That is a good point. He's, but, yep, he's not wrong. But at the same time, uh, you know, like I said, Jack Perry went into business for himself during a live pay-per-view uh, in front of the largest crowd they had, you know, bringing on air a backstage beef that had no business being on television. If I was Tony, I'd fire Jack, teach him a lesson, grow up, kid. We don't do, we do that. We do that in the, in the bingo halls. We don't do that in front of 81,000 people. And, you yeah. know, he very well could, you know, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't and, say, you know, it, you know it's, it's not a distinct possibility. It really is. Yeah. And frankly, with the, with the elites, you know, that was a backstage fight. Um, it wasn't on television. It was you know, response, you know, basically to a guy complaining at a press conference, you know, about the company, about his position in the company, his frustration with the company. And that's another thing, too. It's one thing I'm going to defend Punk on. It's like Punk was in WWE for over 10 years, 15 years, something like that. Something like and that, yeah. yeah I can... Did we ever hear of any backstage fights with other wrestlers? Like, he had beefs against, you know, management, like with Vince, and then eventually when Triple H kind of took over with management. But did we hear, like, he, you know, picked a fight with The Undertaker? Or, you know, you know he didn't like John, like, you know, he picked a fight with John Cena backstage? You know, actually, yeah, I got to give that to you. I, I, I got to say, yeah. Yeah. I, don't remember. I, I think what it comes down to, we talked about this at the top of the show, or actually we talked about this before the show, is that AEW, their whole goal, their whole, you know, mission is to be the anti-WWE. So they purposely hired, you know, a lot of wrestlers from the independents, from New Japan, guys who never have been in WWE whatsoever. So... The main difference is that WWE has a distinct training program. They put all their people through. You learn all the ins and outs of wrestling from multiple different personas. You learn about how to perform for television. You learn how to, you know, talk to the media. You learn how to talk to little children when you're doing Make-A-Wish stuff. You know, whatever else. You are trained on everything before you were put on television, even though there's some people who think, oh, that guy's not very good or that girl's not very good or else. They still went through a whole lot of stuff to get there. Yeah. Uh, and the majority of the guys that are in, guys and gals that are in AEW did not have that training. They're still in a very much independent mindset where they can do wild and crazy things to kind of make their names known. You know, whatever else do they think they have to resort to certain stunts to Essentially, you know, get, basically get put on the national map, whereas, you know, maybe putting in solid performance after solid performance without doing a lot of the stunts and a lot of the crazy spots that may, you know, shorten your career five, ten years before you're ready to go. You know, maybe you'll kind of, you know, tone it down a little bit. But they're, like I said, they're, they're not into that. They've got AEW has the way they do things. And I think it's counterproductive for the company to bring in anybody from the WWE who had been there for a long period of time, because WWE guys are used to doing things one way and all the indie guys are doing things a completely different way. And yeah. they're having major culture clashes. 
There's some guys who've been able to work with it. Sting, Sting seems to be able to work with it. Christian Cage seems to be able to work with it. But we've seen other wrestlers aside from Punk who've had backstage clashes or have had clashes professionally with people like, why are we doing this? This is not good. You know, you know, William yeah. Regal kind of left in frustration because of things that were going on backstage or things proposed. Yeah, yeah that is whole, true. Yeah, the whole like, you know, I want to work with my son was kind of an excuse, but he was also having a lot of backstage frustration. Yeah, he was not um, enjoying his time there. Um, Alistair Black or um, uh, Malachi Black, yeah, now was also having a lot of backstage frustration. Um, uh, oh, hell, uh, he and Buddy Murphy were uh, trying to get back to WWE. Mm-hmm. Andrade yeah. got in a fight with Sammy, uh, uh, Sammy Guevara backstage because Andrade was having creative frustration backstage. Yeah. Keith Lee's had creative frustration backstage, so pretty much. With the exception, maybe like Brian Danielson, who's on a high point right now, a lot of the WWE guys have had a lot of frustration because they feel like they're not being used their best, or like they're used to be presented one way, and then now they're being presented a different way. Like, well, they only see me like once a month now, you know. Yeah. So, you know, sort of mentalities like that. So it's like there is some major culture clash that's going on. So I think it's troublesome for AEW to bring in WWE people. Like, yeah, they want to put it butts and seats and get big names to draw more people. But it's like, is it good for their brand? Yeah. You know, you're kind of turning me around on that one. I was kind of questioning it at first, but that is a lot of good points. Cause the more, the more you look at it like that. Yeah. It's like, it's the more, it is kind of those guys mm -hmm. and you know, <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's a complete clash of styles. So it's, but it's also the same mentality of why, the WWE, while like right now, probably they're PO'd that Tony Khan got 81,000 legitimate people in Wembley Stadium. So, so he's oh, like, yeah, and that was know, awesome. And they deserved every bit of it. Yeah. 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 But basically, quote unquote, the second rate promotion now has a bigger number than Vince has ever drawn legitimately. So <laughs> yeah. Vince, you know, is on the warpath for the next WrestleMania to legitimately oh, have 81,005. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like he wants to beat that number more than anything in the world right now because yeah, there's he's no way the little, yeah, he, there's no way the little upstart guy is going to beat Vince. And that's the mindset that they, that pretty much WWE essentially just looks down on the company. Some of the wrestlers look for it as an opportunity, another place to work, but there are a lot of people that work before the company and of wrestlers who work for the company that just look down on the company completely like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're having fun now, but you know, where will you be in five years, 10 yeah. years? And you know, something that I think is very interesting too, that you look at people who are in the WWE, who you would think might be interested to go there, you know, like Kevin Owens specifically, like uh, Kevin or, Owens. Or well, well, the the reason why I say Kevin Owens is Kevin Owens has a lot of friends over there, mm -hmm. yeah. a ton of friends, you know, that I'm sure that he would love to work with. I'm sure that he would love to, but he is happy at WWE and there is something there that is not putting him, you know, because you know that the offer has been made, you know, oh, at yeah. one point in time, the, you know, talks have been had, you know, there's really talks been had with Goldberg too. Yeah. You know, God, can you can you imagine it? The, the first person who doesn't respect Goldberg, and he's going to go off on that kid. Yeah. Good lord. 
Yeah. You want to talk about a backstage fight? Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe Punk Sunker punches people. Goldberg won't. Well, then you yeah. just need to get Chris Jericho and uh, Jericho would whip Goldberg's ass like he did the first time. Because, <laughs> no, you remember, like, Jericho legit, you know, took down Goldberg backstage. Yeah. 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 It, this did happen, folks. It was a backstage fight between yeah. you. Because that was back when they were both with WWE, right? Uh, no, that was the WCW. And, oh, uh, that's right. It was. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was like, that was Goldberg streak Goldberg. You know, yeah. and because uh, he okay. was pissed off that uh, Jericho kept doing the the Jericho, uh, you know, score thing, mm-hmm. you know, ripped yeah. off the gimmick, making fun of Goldberg and challenging Goldberg. And, you know, of course, Goldberg yeah. was never going to go out there. And uh, he said, I, I can't remember exactly what what Jericho had said, but, you know, he had insulted him. And Goldberg's response was uh, whatever Jericho had just said, but your mother of or some some variation of. Which Booker T started laughing and found ridiculous. Yeah. And then uh, they started to get into a scuffle, and Jericho actually gets him into uh, Jericho, or uh, Jericho actually gets Goldberg into a legit wrestling hold. I believe it was a cross face. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and he, I remember reading about it in Jericho's book, and uh, he said that he was holding on, fully expecting you know Goldberg to buck him off like you know this giant bronco, and there was just no strength there. You know, he just couldn't do it. <laughs> it was just just because you know Goldberg was you know he was just a huge beast, but you know against an actual wrestling hold he couldn't do anything. Yeah, I guess Goldberg was basically he was a football guy. He was not a wrestling guy. He was trained, but he was not a wrestling guy. Whereas basically Jericho had come from Canada. From he'd been trained in the dungeon. Right. He had been he worked in New Japan. So Jericho has some severe training. He he's legit. He knows the yeah. stuff. So. Last yeah. survivor of the heart dungeon, master of a thousand and four holds. That's right. Hole number thirty-seven. Arm, arm bar. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin's got another comment here. It says uh, it's twenty twenty-three. You can't get into multiple fights at work and threaten your boss and keep your employment. Wrestling needs to join the real world. I one hundred percent disagree. <laughs> Wrestling is not the real world. It's never been the real world. It's always been under the auspice that it's trying to fool you into thinking it is real, but it isn't real. So, no, I 100% disagree with this statement. I, you know, I'm going to agree with you there because wrestling has always been its own self-policing thing. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, cancel culture has never really touched wrestling, uh, aside from, you know, when when it's genuinely had to. And yeah, I don't think cancel based- culture is a negative thing, by the way. I'm not trying to, you know, tonight. No, I, it, I, I totally it, think that people should, yeah, whatever. If, but. if wrestlers have committed criminal charges, like against women or spouses or whatever else, and they actually did do it and they get arrested for it, they go to jail. Right, yes, that's, that's, yes, that's, yeah. yeah. You know, but, we, yeah. we should not support them, yes. but uh, Right, but, but you can't, but, you know, you, you what you're talking about is you can't, like, uh, get on somebody for saying something offensive because they're a bad guy because that's their job. They're supposed right. to say offensive things. They're supposed to incite the crowd. Yes, you know? exactly. So yeah, so yeah. yeah. So if you, you know, if somebody you you know, you're at a wrestling show and you call a lady fat because you know she's a little extra, but it, you know, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that anymore. Yeah, you can't because we're at a wrestling show, and so yeah. all rules are off outside of your own personal safety. We'll still you know maintain that, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Don't you know? It's like it's like don't go to a comedy club and complain when the comedian starts you know making fun of you. You bought a ticket to the comedy club. That's right. a thing that happens there. 
Yeah. You know, sort of thing like you go to a rock concert and you smell marijuana because sometimes that happens or you see a pair of naked breasts because sometimes that happens. Yeah. You know, you don't have to get naked. You don't have to smoke the joint, but they are present at these things. And you buy the ticket, you take the ride. <laughs> true, true. So there you go. That's that, that's my hot take on that. So. <laughs> Man, we just got to do like a super heavy on a very special episode of the Fanatic Forum. That's right, yeah. George and Seth, <laughs> well, start talking heavy heavy topics. Well, I mean, you know, we, we, I, had, I had my heavy, you know, mental health topic, but now we're getting into uh, heavy uh, wrestling discussions here. So, yeah, that yeah, is true. Yeah, yeah. Probably, I'm trying to compete yeah. with Cornette here, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, by by yeah. the way, I know people who have appreciated your mental health episode, so I just wanted to let awesome. you know that. So, yeah. Oh, good, good man. I, I'm, I'm going to get some great responses for that. I mean, it's, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's kind of those things that I was trying to, you know, share my story but also not make it about me and make it about like hey here's resources and you know right, people yeah. feel this way too so yeah i, I don't yeah. want to make it like you know hey you know poor george sort of thing i want to make it a resource but you know turn a negative into a positive but right, yeah absolutely so, yeah but yeah that's I, i'm, I'm kind of hoping that maybe yes maybe now that punk has been released from the company and you know he you know we'll, we'll let some you know there's still like, you know, an interview to be had. Like someone's going to pay him for an interview and he's going to have a, yeah. a tell all podcast or a sports illustrated interview or something along those lines. That's still going to happen. There's probably going to be lawsuits somewhere along the lines because, you know, you, the state you, know, of Tony- you know, what would absolutely be the cherry on top of all this. What was that? Is if now, now this to my understanding that Colt Cabana's art of wrestling podcast has ended. Correct. Mm, okay. I think yeah, so, yeah. It, but you know, it's like, what if in like RSS feeds one day there was just a new episode that just popped up, and it was Colt Cabana interviewing CM Punk this year about what had happened? <laughs> oh my god! Like between all this, somehow they had reconciled. And then, yeah, that would be amazing. Oh that, man, that would that would be the get of all gets. Yeah, you know, for guys that. Used to be best friends in real life, and then you know had fallings out, you know, over personal and financial issues and whatever else, and now they legit hate each other in real life. To, yeah, uh, that would wow. <laughs> the Hatfields and McCoys are doing the podcast together here, folks. That's what <laughs> right. <we're on> <laughs> oh, that's that's yeah. That would that would be some amazing radio there if that happened. Yeah. Yeah, I say I, I hope eventually the smoke clears. And of course, like now, like AEW is like, okay, we're we're past all this stuff now and our storylines and everything. And now we're like, okay, we're you know the Saturday show collision is going to be focused around Brian Danielson now, which I'm yeah. fine with that. I'm fine. With uh, that. I love Brian Danielson. Yeah, if they keep, if they kind of if they maintain the quality of the Saturday show, where it's kind of like you know Wednesday is more of the the freewheeling, let's do anything we want, whereas Saturday is kind of more of like let's do more of a traditional wrestling show and let's not do so many gimmick matches that's the thing is that right, right gimmick matches are fun when they're a novelty but when you do them every match they tend to wear out a little bit yeah so you're like yeah. it's like man it's like yeah you put that guy through that table there and that was that was cool but like can you do a headlock every now and then yeah you know, <laughs> you know it's like yeah. i actually like to see some wrestling from time to time yeah you know, i like, know that was one thing that always bothered bothered mom sometimes was uh that <laughs> Was that like she would just get upset that they didn't actually wrestle? They just either stood there and taunted for twenty minutes, or you mm. know did some kind of goofy stuff. Like she actually just wanted to see the wrestling. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and, you tune into a wrestling show to actually want to yeah. see wrestling for God's sakes. Yeah, go figure. 
But yeah, so um, and now apparently AEW is building to a new pay per view they got coming up in October called Wrestle Dream. Um, they announced yeah. it on Wednesday on on uh, Dynamite, basically just literally saying the name and the date happening in October, but no booking or anything about it. I'm like, that is probably one of the worst names for a wrestling pay per view since WWE did Great Balls of Fire. <laughs> yeah, and it just it sounds like some kind of it sounds like some kind of uh, a Japanese promotion. That, uh, like I'm one, maybe even one of those Joshi promotions or Joshi. How, how do you say? Joshi, you know? you're right. You're Joshi. Joshi, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just, but, it, it's, it's an odd name, and of course, it's kind of weird because like a lot of you know, AEW's names like All In, All Out. You know, that's those are like you know poker turn you know terms, and uh, then we've got like you know Full Gear and Revolution. So it's kind of like we're we're kind of going with like single word names and interesting concepts, whatever else, but then wrestle dream. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, uh, after a quick and dirty Google search, there is like not been anything else named wrestle dream. So apparently it was just really original for Tony Khan. Okay. We have run out of names. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So we'll see what that one's all about. Uh, maybe they could, uh, you know, AW we know is want to add more to their pay-per-view roster. Cause of course, originally they start out with just only having four pay-per-views a year. And then they added forbidden door. That's going to be now right. a yearly thing. Uh, so now basically we can add wrestle dream. So yeah. So that takes us I up dream, to six pay-per-views. Yeah, yeah. I dream that's going to be a good show. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That actually makes it seven. So you got yeah, your four, yeah, your four top, your four to start with. Uh-huh. Uh, Forbidden yeah, Door, you... Wrestle Dream, All In. Yeah, all, in. all In, yeah. Because, sense, yeah. yeah, you know that, you know, they've, they're going to keep doing All In over there. You know. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that they, Not saying know, that they shouldn't, because, you know, absolutely, you know, cater to the British fans, but. Yeah, and, it, you know, it was announced literally at the Wembley Stadium show that they're going to come back next year to do Wembley Stadium again, uh, same time. And Tony's got the idea that, oh, I want to do, you know, one week do all in in London and then the next week do go back to the States and do all out somewhere else. So it was like, you're going to hit us twice in a week for $50 pay-per-views every yeah. year. now. Yeah. And as much as I love AEW, I, you know, for $50 a pop for seven times a year, I don't love them that much. Yeah, like we, and, we I, I, I watched all in with you. I did not watch all out. <laughs> yeah, I, I was only you know. really the, the strap match between Danielson and Ricky Starks, uh, yeah. which I heard was awesome. But other than that, I was not interested in any other match on that card. Yeah, and it, you know, yeah, I, I, I hope they don't price themselves out, or, I, or I hope that I keep hearing that there is this new streaming gig. That uh, they keep wanting to to start, or that's going to get announced soon. You know, everything I hear about it is, you know, whatever it is is going to be imminent. Uh, you know, that's you know, they're a Warner it, Brothers you know, Discovery company, and Warner Brothers Company or Warner Brothers Discovery has H has Max as their streaming right. service, and the one big thing that's missing from Max is live sports. No, you know, you, you've got HBO when they do their boxing. You know, on occasion, but that's the only sport HBO does is boxing. On yeah. you know, on, on random occasions when it's not on pay per view. Uh, so yeah, it's like they don't have baseball, they don't have football or anything like that. So it's like, yeah, yeah, and it and see that kind of even scares me too because it's if AEW had their own standalone app, 
that you know that here that I could get. I know they've got you know outside of the outside of the states, but I would yeah. subscribe to it. You know, I would pay fifteen bucks a month. You know, to be able to stream the dynamites. You know, as they happen. You know, and right. all the live. Uh, you know, I want I want the TV feeds. You know, as they happen. You know, I'd pay directly for that. Sure. But uh, you know, like I. I'm worried that if they bundle it with something like Max, that then that would be a, an add-on to it. So then I would need to subscribe to Max. Then this other add-on package. That then is is AEW worth twenty-five dollars a month? Then per se, like if, if that's the price that we're talking about. I'm not a sports guy. The only thing I watch is you know wrestling. Yeah. You know, but for, I want to support AEW, but there is a limit. Well, I, I think one thing if they do, you know, basically what basically very much see AEW moving to Max being very much like the relationship the WWE and the NBC Peacock where basically, you know, they have other live sports on there, but WWE has their own hub. They All their pay-per-views are now called premium live events and they happen on Peacock now. So you're basically paying, uh, well, now that the fee went up, so now I'm paying $6 a month for Peacock and I get my WWE pay-per-views and I don't have to pay for them anymore. So I very much see that happening uh, in some refer some way for AEW going on over to Max, what would make it better for fans is also having access to Ring of Honor. So if you have access to Ring of Honor and AEW, then you basically you know you stick their you know weekly television shows on there. You add new content. You do their pay per views and their full libraries are available on Max. That could do it for fans, I think. That yeah, that could be yeah. Yeah, if you if you essentially set it up like WWE has set up, you know themselves on Peacock, where all their content, just very much everything on the app, was on there. But sometimes they take stuff off or whatever yeah. else. You know, their streaming services do that, whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, essentially the WWE app just moved over to Peacock, so all their stuff is there, and they produce new content and new documentaries and whatever else. So if AEW does the same thing. But they do AW and a Ring of Honor, and then whatever access to other libraries, maybe they can get their hands on that WWE does not have. Yeah. Like, say, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, you know, or other independent promotions that don't want to go with the WWE that may be more inclined to go with AEW. Yeah. So that could be a benefit. Yeah, I, it could be a benefit. Yeah. I just, I want, I, it just comes down to a cost, th- a cost analysis thing for Oh, me, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, you know, two hundred bucks a year. You know, directly to support AEW, not counting. You know, whatever streaming mm-hmm. or you know TV package I have that you know would ha- would carry it. So you know, to watch Dynamite with or whatever. Yeah. You know, two hundred bucks directly for the pay per view to support them. You know, I, I feel like you know that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, but but at some point my wallet does stretch thin, and you know they they are coming very very close to this capacity. That's a and, good point. Yeah. But. I, I will make an argument though for uh, Max's content. Uh, they are the DC Comics hub, so all the DC content, TV shows, movies, animated series, animated films, all that content is available on HBO Max as well. So okay, okay, yeah, and also HBO Max has the Turner Classic Movies hub on there, so they're kind of trying to compete with Hulu with having the Criterion uh, content. Well, actually, no, they don't have that anymore because Criterion's got their own app. Criterion used to be on Hulu, uh, but yeah, but uh, yeah, so, you know, HBO's got like, you know, they hit you with the old movies and then they're with the HBO app. So they hit you with the new stuff and then the HBO series. And then, you know, here's 
all the Discovery Channel stuff and its whole family of shows and reality series and whatever else. And then we also hit you with DC content. We hit you with Cartoon Network, Adult Swim. So, <laughs> right. and, and now, and now since they got Discovery, that also includes PBS. So, you got a lot of content on HBO Max right now. I keep calling okay. it Max because it's just Max. But right, yeah, uh, but yeah, and I, I do sponsor. the same thing. Yeah. yeah, they're they're not a sponsor, by the way. So I don't know why I'm doing a great commercial, <laughs> for them, but yeah, <laughs> I'm doing a great commercial. Now, so HBO Max yeah. pay up, <laughs> right? Yeah, you owe us money. Uh, uh, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we have uh, covered the topic as about best as we can here. So. Yeah, you know we. <laughs> Any, any we did blow thoughts? well past hour one. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, any, any final thoughts on the topic here of uh, uh, AEW drama and the and the punk firing and whatever else? Yeah. No. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he's not there, and I'll be or I, I'll just I'll be ready for whenever it is no longer the hot topic. Too. I'm tired of hearing about it. Like, good, you know, good point. Yeah. But yeah, like I said I, I'm. I'm I'm disappointed in the company uh, that they couldn't work things out. And that's the thing is, you know, I, I'm used to, you know, I'm such an old school fan and, you know, you are too. It's like, we're used to the guys, you know, maybe they didn't like each other backstage, but they still were able to turn it to a big money match. Like, uh, you yeah. know, AEW lost out because we didn't get, you know, a six man tag match of CM Punk and FTR teaming up with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Like we didn't yeah. get that fight. Uh, we didn't get, you know, you know, or any other person that CM Punk may have had a beef with backstage that they could turn into a, you know, thing, or you know, even do a thing where, you know, CM Punk is, you know, lashing out of the company on air and trying to maybe turn Tony into like a Vince McMahon kind of character, you know, just yeah. you know, do do a riff on that or something, you know, it's like you there know, are so many ways it could have worked out. I'm even thinking too that you know, out of all the things that have happened in wrestling. You even had something like Matt Hardy and Edge, you know. Perfect example. Yeah, that Perfect. you know, that they have a, they had every reason to shiv each other, mm -hmm. you know, just bloody in the ring, just you know, just eh, you know, just you know, they, they had every reason to, you know, the mm -hmm. both of them. But yep. you know, nope. I think part of that though might have been Vince McMahon mm -hmm. just telling them that they were going to do it, or oh, yeah. you know, yeah, they, they, they just didn't have a yeah. choice. Yeah, you know. Uh, it, it and for anybody who needs a framing reference, you don't know what we're talking about. Um, this happened, of course, in the mid-2000s. But uh, at the time, wrestler Matt Hardy was, uh, in real life, dating wrestler Lita, who on on camera, they were partners, tag, you know, tag mm -hmm. partners, part of the same group, whatever else. Uh, but they became sweet on each other in real life, and were dating, and yada, 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 and very serious and lovey, lovey, lovey. Well, then apparently things, you know, they maybe got on separate shows or something like that. Basically, there's, the, you know, the, the couple started splitting up and then Lita started talking to uh, Edge. And basically, because they were on the same show together, um, started forming a relationship, whatever else. And then basically, as it turned out, they end up getting intimate with each other. Unfortunately, Lita was still involved with Matt and Edge was married at the time. Uh, yeah. And so initially yeah. Matt Hardy was fired from the company, uh, just to basically get him out of the way because edge was the bigger star at the time. So let's keep edge. We'll fire Matt and just, you know, we've got this thing dust out, uh, but the fans wouldn't let it go. And so Matt ends up getting hired back and they're actually able to turn a real life thing into an on-air angle. 
Lita turned, yeah. you know, Lita turned into a bad guy, started going, going around with edge and turning on the salacious behavior and they're having sex in the ring and, you know, whatever yeah. little, you know, salacious stuff like that. Whereas Matt is the sympathetic cuckold guy, you know, basically watching his girlfriend being taken away by the bad guy. Right. Yeah. You know? So, and the, and the, the fans ate it up. They oh, yeah. Big money matches. It was great segments because the promos were fire because they're turning their real life stuff into promos. And so they're literally saying, the things they probably said to yeah. each other backstage on air. So, oh yeah. yeah. So that's a that's a perfect example of turning. Yeah, you know, that's it's like Jerry Jarrett said, real, real, real problems create money. Yeah. Yeah. If you can <laughs> yep. if you can relate the struggle, the the feud, or whatever else to the audience to make it easy for them. You took my girl. You took my money. You took my belt or whatever else, or you took my spot on the roster or whatever the case may be. That's easy stuff. Yeah. And then you turn that into cash by making big feuds out of it. So <laughs> there you go. Man. Yep. Well, I think we're wrapped up there. So <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. We had a good, another good one, though. I got we did. Yeah. yeah. We're going like, like an hour and 40 here. So almost. Yeah. yeah. So, well, sir, once again, I can't thank you enough for always being on here and uh, chatting oh. with us. You're very welcome. Thank you again for having me. Always a pleasure. Always enjoy it. Absolutely. So, uh, can't wait for next time. So, yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, of course, uh, next weekend, uh, Saturday, the 16th of September, uh, is an auspicious day for comic book fans because that's Batman Day. Woo. Yep. So, uh, comic book stores around the country will have freebies. Um, I don't know how much um, stock. Uh, stores will have but i know there is a uh foil reprint i think it's the batman 627 that was the first issue of hush i think uh but anyway the the, the first the first the batman issue that's the first issue of the hush storyline they're doing a version foil reprint of that cover okay. uh and when you buy it you get a blind pack uh black and white batman figure so they got all these little blind they got all these little miniature figures uh, that like different Batman artists did of like the black and white style Batman. So you got like, you know, Jason Fabok and uh, I, I'm not sure if like Kelly Jones has one, but like basically like the six different well-known artists designed a figure. And so they've got these little blind bag things. So if you buy the foil book then you get a blind bag figure. So, yeah. So, yeah. But of course there's other free stuff on Batman day. Uh, we at Clabbering comics. We're going to have a sale as well. So yeah, all kinds of cool stuff. <laughs> nice. So yeah. So okay. You know, so next Saturday, Batman Day, go to your local comic shop and get you some Batman books. Anyway, you all have yourselves a wonderful weekend and a wonderful time out there, and we will see you guys next time on the Fanatic Forum. So take care, everybody. <laughs>